This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, folks, welcome back to Lace Mountain with Squire Football Podcast. MWWire.com is our website. You find all of our glorious, glorious, amazing content we write about. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all good. That's what we say here. Jerry Moss here. Not joined by Matt Kennelly this weekend. He is out of, out of town. Not able to record, hanging out in Las Vegas, doing a few things, watching some games all weekend like we all were. So it's, you get me. You got him by himself, I think, two weeks ago. So you get me by myself. So we'll see how it goes this week. We had a week eight. Stuff happened. We need to uh, we need to console our Boise State fans who fell to the unbeaten in the game, battle the backups. That was a we'll get to that game later on. We'll typically just do what we do chronological order, but you know where to find us on Twitter, Facebook, just search Mountain West Wire, any podcast platform as well. We should be out almost everywhere now. The Switch Anchor has been about two weeks in. If you listen to us on Google, I believe we're still there. No interruption, but. Stitcher, iTunes, anywhere else, or I guess Apple Podcasts now, technically now, because the iTunes is shut down, I guess, if you got that new update. I think I technically still have it on my computer right here as I scroll down, but it's moving on. But, but we're out there. You know where to find us. Website, just search Mountainless Wire. Podcasts, we're there. Just trying to keep everybody heads up. If not, Anchor is where we're at now to find us if, for some reason, whatever platform you're using is not working or has it, you haven't seen the show in a while. If you haven't seen the show in a while and you have to hear this directly from our website or the Anchor app or however, if you're listening with anywhere that way, the direct link, let us know. We can figure that out to get this straightened out because we're getting the straight, excuse me, getting it out to everywhere it was and possibly even places like Spotify and stuff like that. I know a few people have asked about that in the past, but we're getting to week eight here. That's all the business I guess we got going on here, but week eight's here. Week eight's gone. It's in the books. There were uh, some interest, a lot of interesting things that happened this weekend. The conference race hasn't changed all that much because we mentioned Boise lost, but it was a non-conference game. We saw a few other teams uh, go down, like Kauai might be in trouble of contending that West Division. I'll get to them later since they did late in that game versus Air Force. We had Utah State do quite well versus Nevada. Well, I mean, outlast in Mexico. Um, Rams are off. Um, he had, again, Fresno, maybe they're back what we thought they'd be. Rebels are, eh, who knows, we'll see with that offense. It's all changing, going back and forth. But let's get with the first game of the weekend. We'll go back to Friday night where, if you didn't watch this game, don't blame me if it's not your team. That's fine. The score was not as close as it was through about 88% of the game. Ended up being Fresno 56, UNLV 27. You're like, whoa, what, what's up with that? That was a blowout. Not even close. Not the case. Fresno scored 20, 21 fourth quarter points. We'll start at this, mention, this point of the game. Where it was twenty-eight to twenty, UNLV was down, and Fresno also had two big quarters, like that second and fourth quarter. But at a certain point in the game, late in the third quarter, it was twenty-eight to twenty. UNLV has the ball after a missed field goal by Fresno State. So we'll start there. UNLV makes a field goal to get with an eight, um, missed field goal. Then okay, Fresno gives us the ball. UNLV has it. First play from a scrimmage. Justice, excuse me, Justin Rice recovers a fumble, takes it back for a score, thirty-five twenty. Okay. I'm not going to go play by play, but this is kind of important, the way the game turned out. Basically, every possession the rest of the way for UNLV, except for one, gave up the ball to Fresno for points. 
So you had a fumble recover for touchdown, a turnover and downs where UNLV went for it on a fourth and six. They had a fourth and one, and they're too far away. Then you get a freaking false start for the Rebels where now it's fourth and six. They're pushed back to the 36-yard line. They're still not punting because at this point, again, they're still down 15. The goal will go for it, and they didn't do much for it. They, uh, um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong one here. Sorry. Let me rephrase that. Sorry, it's the end of the quarter. I was looking at the wrong one. See, see if I read all these before the, the drive chart. They converted the fourth and six. That's what it was. But then it's the same thing stands. They don't get much, too much more yards after that. They do a few more plays. They get, get hammered with the fourth and 15 at the Fresno 33. So they decide to go for it. <laughs> and it was broken up. And my point is, Fresno went on for a short field touchdown. Interception next time Rebels had the ball. Touchdown on one play, one yard out after return to the one-yard line. Uh, two plays later, UNLV, again, turnover. Fresno has a short field touchdown. So 56-20, UNLV gets late touchdown, 56-27. This game was, it shows a couple of things. Fresno's defense showed up in the second half, specifically late in that third quarter. They made some huge plays, stops, interceptions. They were getting sort of back where they want to be. A defense offense was okay. Like Jorge Reyna had a couple deep plays. Like he had, there's three passes over, over 25 yards. It's like, if him getting those back is great, there's different receivers stepping up the game. We mentioned Justin Rice, the tight, or excuse me, Jared Rice. Sorry, get all the Rice brothers out there. He showed up. He didn't have a great game, but he did have a touchdown on one catch for 12 yards. So he improved his stock a little bit, but he's still not where people thought he'd be like the best tight end in the conference. So you had him on offense. You had, on the running game, he had one huge play that was done by uh, Jalen, uh, Jalen Cropper, that wide receiver, had a huge run for an 82-yarder, nearly a touchdown. You had, like, Jorge Reyna had a big run. But overall, the running game, still not there. Even though if you think about it, oh, if you look at the box score again, just watching the box score in this game, reading over, it's not how the game played out because, oh, they had 260 yards in the ground. Not too bad. A long of 82, a couple 40-yard run, one 40-yard run. Like, Corinne Rivers took him 14 carries. He did have two scores, but only 51 yards. So he wasn't doing great moving the ball. So Fresno offense... Part of it, too, okay, again, part of it short field. So that's why when you look at total yards, it could be deceiving because when they start, I think, three times inside their own, or excuse me, the Rebels' 30 yard line, it's uh, not great. But they did average 7.2 yards per rush. They had that huge one that skews it a little bit. Did have 10 yards per pass attempt. So the efficiency of the offense was well, not many penalty, penalized at all. Um, but they offense was with what they're giving with. Like, I don't know, maybe they would have had a. Still scored the same amount of points if there's no turnovers. But give credit to the defense where they just picked off uh, Fresno State, or excuse me, uh, Oblad there for uh, UNLV, who had three interceptions in the second half. Like, this game was close, and UNLV was there to potentially get the win. It's one of those teams where you could tell, or excuse me, one of the games where you could tell, okay, this team's not, is has been there before, like Fresno. Back-to-back conference championship appearances, reigning champions in the conference, whereas UNLV has been struggling or moving the ball on offense, Offensive coordinator, whoever's calling the plays, isn't doing a great job. And and it being when they tried to throw the ball, they could not get it done. Like, them running the ball only had 157 yards. Like, they had no big plays. The longest players by Tyler Collins. And so, I don't know what UNLV is doing forward. They're sitting at 2-5. and five. As of this moment, Tony St. just still has his job, which clearly he wasn't going to get fired after that game. But when you, like, what's called what is basically a meltdown on offense. Like, the offense just shut down at the end of the game. Like, they're blown out. In the second half, that had so many errors, and again, maybe they don't they go down the ball, go down the field, punt it. Fresno scores once or twice. Maybe it's just a fourteen point victory for Fresno State. Like they don't get those twenty eight points. Say they get fourteen of those, it's still a pretty close game, but it's not a blow. But it's like the second half is what just 
too many crucial mistakes and errors that led to the avalanche of points. And I like how in Las Vegas Sun, Rebels need to win four of their final five games in order to qualify for Bullworth. Sorry, folks. UNLV is not getting the ball berth. I don't care. And Tony Sanchez was ticked off. He literally said, like, I'm ticked off. When you turn the ball over five times, you're not going to win the football game. Duh. And that's the problem. They turn it off. They, yeah, it's just, uh, he said he's going to be sick to his stomach watching this game because it's a game you could have won. Like, I don't think that's too far-fetched because when it's 20-20 to and you have the ball after a missed field goal, you're in this game. So there, he's clearly right. They could have won the game. If they're not done, stupid errors, mental errors, turn the ball over, bad passes, bad route running, whatever it may be, and UNLV never responded. Like, if they had the first one that was a quick score, okay, I get it. That sucks. But they came out came out in offense, and they just kept tripping, tripping over their own feet. They couldn't get things done. And so that's what separates good teams from bad teams, or even good teams from mediocre teams. And it just interception. It was um, tipped in the air, which doesn't really help. But they... Fresno, speaking of, they made the plays in New York. That's basically what it comes down to. And Oblad did have three touchdowns. Like, if you look through his first quarter plus, he was really good. He still had 257 yards, just three scores. Um, two of the interceptions were deflected. So, a little bit of luck there in Fresno's favor, but they still found the ball. And if it's a deflected pass, still probably means it wasn't the best pass by Oblad to whoever he's targeting for the Rebels offense. But it's also kind of sucky for Charles Williams, who's from the Fresno area. Came back, didn't do all that great. 82 yards, just under three and a half per attempt. And had his first fumble of the year, which was that one for the touchdown. So, it doesn't get any easier for Rebels. They got San Diego State next week, which, oh geez, they're probably, be, I don't have the line right now, but it's going to be a pretty bad defeat. But for Fresno, it tells me that it doesn't, it tells me they're a bit better because they're still a team. Yeah, losing the Air Force shows me a bit, but beating UNLV. This is showing me a lot, but what it shows me in the second half where they just put the medal to the pedal and they got the ball, they scored, and we're not going to settle for anything less than touchdowns when those short fields. And so that's what they're looking to do, and they did it. So, you know, we did our power polls, or we're working on it. I think about Fresno still middle of the pack because that's where I think they're at. I think they separated themselves, as I think I noted this in the what we learned. They're not a bad team, clearly. They separated themselves to be well above, like, the bottom four, which are still some combo of UNLV, CSU, San Jose State, and um, New Mexico. So they're kind of in that range, but they're, I mean, above that range. Like, if you're going to mix them in, I put them more toward in the mix of, like, possibly, like, Nevada is an area. Um, not very Air Force. Maybe Hawaii, because they're kind of wild card type teams a little bit, I would say. Um, specifically, like, Fresno. Specifically, Hawaii, who just, we'll get to them later. But I think with this win, like, the win's going to happen. And, like, us kind of half-cutting up bowl, bowl games not going to happen for Fresno State. I'm very confident that they'll, they'll go bowling, because look at it. They... Still have CSU, they'll win. Hawaii, they get up in the air. They get Utah State at home, that'll be tough. They go to San Diego State, but they also have Nevada and San Jose. So there's at least three more wins, I think, San Jose, Nevada, and uh, CSU. So at the worst, I think it's 6-6, six and six, maybe 7. I don't know, the Aztec game, if this Fresno State team keeps going, it can slowly improve on offense, maybe. But the Aztecs aren't really blowing people off out either with their running game being just okay. All right, so let's go on to Saturday. We've got a couple games here. That's where bulk of the games were. Uh, we'll get to all the everything we always do, but the first game, New Mexico at Wyoming. Here's the thing: New Mexico. I think we think Matt mentioned or me. I think it's from the Albuquerque Journal. They mentioned they still don't know what their quarterback issue is after Week Seven. They're midway through the year and they still don't really have a clue who their quarterback is or settled on one guy or a guy. And that started this game. They played Jordan Jones and Tavaka Toyoti um, combined. They didn't turn the ball over, which is a plus. 
But then they only had 203 yards on 50% passing one TD. So they weren't terrible. Uh, running the ball, they did one good thing to note that we weren't sure it was going to happen. Amari Davis came back in the game. He's been injured. Had a nice 40-yard run, but no rushing touchdowns. They didn't have that explosive running like last week. Bryson Carroll had only 53 yards. The thing is about New Mexico, they moved the ball. Like, this is a low-scoring game. They're down 7-0. They didn't score until the fourth quarter, but they were moving the ball down the field. They did get stopped and only going 4 of 12 on third downs. But they moved the ball. Like, they actually passed the ball better per attempt, per pass, better than one. I mean, and per run, like yards per attempt, they were basically even, even on penalties. They did have the one turnover. Um, they were pretty bad on third down, but like they, that's what killed them, going 4 of 12 and 1 and 2 on fourth downs. Going down the field and then just stopping and getting stuffed by the Wyoming defense. There's no shame in that. But that one turnover did lead to TD. But like every time they went down, they were punting. They could not convert on third down. Like they didn't do anything until the end of the game when it was too late, when it was 20 to 3. They made it 20 to 10 on a nice eight play drive that was 70 something yards where they went down. It was a two yard two pass. That was the only touchdown they had. Um, or it's PI, but it didn't matter because they scored. But the point is, had they extended drives, like, yeah, it's a 23-10 win, but New Mexico, it's, it goes both ways here, folks. Wyoming's defense stopped them, but New Mexico had enough chances where if you're moving the ball down the field, whether it's running or passing and getting the job done, you just got to get it done on third down. Like, there's too many times on third down where third and three, no game, they don't go for it. Fourth and three, they go for it. Like, here's one point here. No, I don't think there's much win because Cooper Roth missed, I think, a field goal and extra point, if I'm correct. But, like, it's, you think of this, it's 7-0, Wyoming's up. You are at your own twenty nine at the Wami twenty nine yard line. That's a forty six yarder. Fairly long for a college kicker, but it's you still gotta try and do that type of stuff. It's like I don't know, they went for it, they didn't get it, loss of yard. Wami goes down touchdown. So that was kind of a turning point in game thirteen, as was the fumble for a touchdown for Wyoming there. And then we look at Wyoming, like I made the joke in our week now we get mid season projections, look ahead, MVP stuff, I go Sean Chambers, he will not get 45% for the whole year combined. But they'll still make a bowl game. They get the win, so they're one one game, waiting for game for being bowl eligible, which, remember last year, they got six, but were shut out at 6-6. Six and six. Sean Chambers, 9-15, which, by my math, 60%. That's his best in a while. Only 86 yards, so there is an issue with that. And a TD, but then again, he did rush for 117 and a 40-yard long and a touchdown. So, And also, he had um, Valade back there. Xavier and Valade have a really good game with who had 33. He ran the ball so often, like, New Mexico could not stop him. He had 127 yards, kept going and going. They had so many drives where nothing could be stopped on the other side. Like, with Chambers, though, if I – I like 9-15. It's a step in the right direction, like I said. Getting above 50% is one step, but maybe getting 100-plus yards. Like, getting to maybe – it's about 9 yards per attempt, which isn't bad. The next step I'd want to see evolution is keep the percentage up, but also maybe – have a few more yards because here's the thing. They run so well. You got to get that play action in there and go deep down the field. They didn't have too many, too many deep passes. The longest pass was a, was just a running back of 25 yarders. So it wasn't a down the field pass. So maybe that's what I'd like to see next step for what they could do. Like that's kind of what they got to do for this team to be like when they play Boise state, like could they keep up with them? If Boise has a scoring spree, even though one defense is good, but if there's a game where a lot of points, Wyoming's going to be disadvantaged because, again, this game was 23-10, and Wyoming scored 10 of its points in the fourth quarter. So it's basically a 7-0, 13-0 game for majority of this, this time, two scores. And it ended up being that way the finale for their final result, result, but 
they gotta do a little bit more offense if they're gonna contend. Like I don't know if they will contend because they do have the two losses, but they need some sort of offense to help them. Like maybe they could shut teams down to hold them to under two touchdowns or two or three touchdowns, but that's the main my main takeaway for Wyoming the rest of the way. It's like can they score enough points to beat teams if it gets above like twenty five points? Because I know they they do the Missouri win, but remember Texas State they started slow, Idaho they started so not, still don't have the loss in Tulsa twenty four twenty one. They they had a lead versus um, San Diego State that hurt them as well because they had the offense to go they couldn't keep up when uh, let me phrase that sorry. The offense was stalled only 22 points, but they had a lead they couldn't control, which means offense keep the ball longer, Aztecs were stopping them, and, not, and they couldn't respond. Aztecs' offense got some plays. But the defense in that game for San Diego State did fine until late, later in the game when they got the points. Point being, they need offense to whether protect the lead or score points in a lead. Or score points, yeah, score points to extend the lead or win games. If it's like 35, getting up 40 points. like that's just, The Missouri victory seems more and more odd as we go on, based on the rest of the results. Even UNLV is pretty worth 53-17. But what we're getting at is the amount of points overall that they need to keep it up. And so the defense will keep them in any game. Like, they have Nevada next week at home. That should be fine. They go to Boise State. That's if you want to at Utah State. And then even at Air Force. Or, heck, even CSU. The Rams can put up points. Like, they can move the ball with their receiving group, which is one of the best in the countries. Country, excuse me. So... That's a few things they need to work on. But this game, 23-10, like the Mexico wasn't that bad in this game. They were a team that were in it, but they just couldn't score points. And they they kicked themselves in the foot in too many drives. So that's how that one kind of played out. That's my thoughts of watching uh, this game. I know it was on AT&T Sports, so it wasn't a as wild, widely distributed as we'd like. I guess it's better than that Facebook game, which we're getting to now, which apparently I had issues as well partway through. Where, well, I guess the Facebook feed's going out. So unless you're in the stadium at Qualcomm, you didn't see the entirety of the game. And not to say I called it, but I kind of called it how this game was going to be close. 27-17 San Diego State. Only a 10-point victory over the Spartans. Um, but here's the thing about the game. The Spartans did pretty well, if you think about it. Where it was 10-point game, 10-point victory, 10-point difference overall. They held right Agnew to only 88 yards passing. Good job. Juan Washington still not back. He had a touch. He did improve his yards per carry at um, what, just about four, I think. But the two a couple of big plays that made this game different. Chase Jadman had a huge fifty-yard touchdown run, and then a special teams um, touchdown that was a who had that a kick return by Keegan Williams. So it's fourteen points right there. Maybe they would have scored regardless on that big fifty-yard run. But fourteen points is a difference in this game. So if they're not doing um, stopping on the long run by Chase Jasmine. And also, yeah, it was a 7-0 touchdown start of the game. I should have mentioned that before. But they start off hot. But it's back-to-back points at the beginning. So it was a slugfest route. Like, there's, like, drives were going out. There weren't many three-and-outs for San Jose State. They had a couple in the first half. Well, I guess as I go through more, because I didn't really – I saw this kind of a condensed one. So with it being 27-17 and noticing San Jose State had much too many more, as I rephrase that, <laughs> three and outs. That's kind of what got them here. Jordan Love, excuse me, sorry, not Jordan, Josh Love didn't quite have the passing game. Like he was just over 50%, did have 218 yards, but he did okay. But the running game has still been a big issue. Like Kerry Robinson only had 59 yards. Ty, um, Tyler Evans didn't play. Um, that's kind of what you need if you're, if you're wanting to stick in the game and keep the ball going. Like they lose by 10, but then again, they went. 
4 of 11 on third down. San Diego State wasn't much better, 7 of 17. They passed better overall in yards per play, not by much, 6 to 4 and a half. But the running game is what kind of hurt them. And the, the they had one interception, but that really wasn't the difference of the game because that was at the very, very end of the game. They were down 10. So, But the thing that hurt them was that they could not extend drives. The Aztec defense was really good. Every time it was third down, they got stopped. Like third and eight, only a five-yard play, five-yard gain. Third, third and ten, incomplete pass. They had they did kick a field goal. They had too many times where they went for it on fourth down. Or, sorry, did not fourth down, but they punted they punt the ball after a three and out again. That's the thing. They never kept the ball moving. Like, their drives were extremely limited. And so give credit, obviously, to Aztec defense to shut them down. But if you look, if you look at the Aztec offense, they were much better. They had they had multiple three and outs. So I have one, two. They had a crazy this drive. This is amazing. It's like our service academy football. A 20-play drive, 77 yards, 10 minutes to end the half, essentially, for a field goal. They set up, settle for a field goal going all the way down to the 10-yard line to get the field goal. So that's what – that's just amazing. It takes any air out of the ball San Jose State has if they're going to score – if they're going to keep the ball and move down the field, and they had no chance. But that was the big thing here. The offense just sputtered. When they had drives, like the 14-play drive for field goal was great. They moved the ball well. They passed the ball to multiple of the receivers on that drive. That kind of counters that Aztec one. But it's like, come on. you got to move the ball a bit better, guys. Spartans, you have – I guess if they could be made one-dimensional, which the Aztecs did a little bit to them. Love wasn't able to get like huge big plays like he's done before. His – there were a couple big ones, I should say. Like, Gaither Hamilton had two big ones, but they weren't able to get more yards than they wanted to. Like, just 50% is not going to cut against Aztec defense. Like, the Spartans' defense, they did pretty much anything you wanted to, them to do. Slow down Agnew. Didn't pick him off, which is the issue, but, again, less than 100 yards. Running game was outside of the Chase Jasmine run, which still counts clearly for a TD. They held them in check overall. It's just that one long drive, and then Spartans' offense just not able to get an extra... Like, what happens if the game, if they get, like, two more first downs and maybe they get points or not, but Aztecs have that one few opportunity with the ball? Because the touchdown, it was 20-10, to 10, like, in the second half, third quarter. It was 14 points that third quarter, which was the difference in the game, when it ended up being 24-7. And um, Spartans came back to make it, or excuse me, it's third, yeah, sorry, 24-10, sorry. 20-10, and then 27-10, and then they had the late touchdown, which, okay, it's late. The thing is for Spartans, like, they're not that bad. They are getting better, and I mentioned a game like last year where Spartans were able to keep it close through San Diego State. This wasn't like last year where they probably could have won, but I could see chances or opportunities for them to be better and and to still be better than what they improved on this show already, if you get my point. Like, they moved the ball well. They got some points. It's just they played a really good defense, and they got sputtered and stopped. They seem to take the next step again offense to help them out. But that being said, Spartans are 3-4. and four. I, I don't know. Army's not very good, but it's a, on the road. It's a super long road trip. They get Boise at home. They go to Hawaii, to UNLV. There might be two more wins, like UNLV, Army, maybe Hawaii. So they, they might get to five, which would be pretty pretty shocking, or not shocking, but uh, overachieving, I should say, what, what we thought they could do because I mean, nobody thought they'd even get three wins. Like I think Matt picked three the most. I picked probably two. I think I did pick them over uh, New Mexico, but that's about it. But so congrats to both teams. Even give congrats to Spartans. They did fine. All right, so we got next one really quick here. Nevada. We had all these three night games. So these games are spread out. Got to tune in now. Night game, we got to focus in. What are you going to do? What are you going to watch? Utah State and Nevada. Snowy Logan, Utah. Icy Logan, Utah. Saw the return of Jalen Warren, which did pretty well for the um, Aggies there. 
Thirty-six to ten was the final score. Game opened up with, uh, or wait, did it open up? There was a kick return by Savon Scarver. Sorry, it opened up with the Nevada field goal. Sorry, that kick return was the first time they had the ball. Savon Scarver had a second for the year, hundred yard TD return on the kickoff. So here's what I noticed in the game: like Nevada, Malik Henry, second start. Let's see how you do. This time you're on the road. This time you're playing a pretty good defense. Punt. First drive, great field goal. Then he goes punt, punt. Punt, punt, safety, punt, punt, <laughs> interception, punt, punt. First half, they did nothing else. They had they either punted or interception, and I guess a miss, there was a missed field goal in there. The rest of the way, they didn't score their touchdown until the final possession of the game. Essentially, Utah State down to like seven plays to clock it. It's basically thirty-six to three. They got a late touchdown at the end of the game. So this. Just a couple things. Luke Henry, not quite there for the Nevada passing attack. Two picks. Utah State defense still really, really, really good. Uh, yeah, Henry going on the road wasn't a good sign for that. Also, one thing that wasn't like the most surprising thing in the game, Jordan Love playing against a Nevada team that's defense gives up your points, as can be told by 36. Had one of his worst games in a long time. He had only 169 yards. Under 50%, 13 to 31. Ridiculously bad for him, unfortunately. Had a bad one. Fourth down, third downs weren't very good for Utah State. They didn't play extremely well and still got the comfortable win. They won by 26 points, but they're aided by Nevada having 13 penalties and the Aggie defense and a running attack, which did quite well. Like I mentioned earlier, Jalen Warren was back. He was injured. He didn't get most of the carries. I assume they're sort of easing him in, but he had 12 for 73. Lincoln Gerald Bright had a t- two touchdowns along with 67. But that was kind of the reason they won that running attack and the defense just shutting down anything and everything that Nevada wanted to do. Like Tua Tawa had a 20-yard long one, but only 84 of the day. And so Nevada still has a lot to work with because they're sticking with Henry. It's tough. You're playing Logan, you're playing the road, you're playing in weather, wet, snowy, cold conditions, late at night. That just makes it maybe not fun to play football. Who likes to be wet? Like if you're outside and about it gets cold or wet and windy, who likes to do that? Now imagine needing to play football, hitting people around, getting hit, getting bruised, getting cut, falling on cold ground. That can't be fun. And so them losing like that's not a big deal. It's it's not, but it also it doesn't help when they had so as I mentioned the drive chart, so many punts, so many three and outs, so many times of just getting rid of the ball and not being able to have it with you. And giving it up to Utah State. It's like what are they gonna do next week gonna play Wyoming, which arguably has a better defense? Or sorry, I mean yeah, twenty six. And so it's like Nevada, they need to it's it's just an offensive scheme thing. Like they, if they have their quarterback, that's a good news. Better than anything, better than the Mexico can say. That's still trying to sling in guys, swapping in multiple quarterbacks. Stick with Henry, fine. Tautua, Tautua hasn't been great this year, but get him a bit better. Maybe work on the receiving group a bit more. But they just had ran into a great defense and couldn't get it done. And it's a tough situation to play in. And so they're still four and three. There's still a decent chance they'll get to a bowl game. It was just a matchup when you watch what they do. Anytime it was a clutch time, Utah State's defense shut them down. Like when they had, like for example, third and six incomplete passes early in the game. Thirty nine incomplete passes. They had all these third and long plays. Even when Utah State fumbled the ball, they couldn't do anything with it. They had so many third and long. It wasn't like it was. It's not like they're working on third and short. Like they had third and five once incomplete pass. They had the safety. They had so many third down. Like a third and eight, they got penalized. I think it was. Oh, no, sorry, not penalized, but they, uh, oh, sorry, fumble. That's what it was, sorry. They had a fumble where they had lost 10 yards. So it's not like they were 
in a situation where if I recall, every third down was a long situation. It's like that one interception, third and six, end up being third and 11 after penalty, then an interception. And it's like you got to have give your offense opportunity. The closest one was a third and one. They go, they lose two yards, so they go for it on fourth and three. Or no, they even go for it. Sorry, they punt. So third and one, they don't get. So every I'm going through every drive chart to kind of be boring here. But like they only had so far two drive, two plays on third down, three that were under the five yards, and they couldn't convert hardly any of those. Every time they give up the ball, and so that's the situation where the offense has to do something and get things done. They can't just sit back and I don't know, I'm just not getting done. I guess if, if you get my point, if you see the trend here, anytime there's a third and it wasn't third and one, third and two, besides they had the one, but third and five plus. Those are typically obvious obvious passing situations. You have a new quarterback making second career start on the road against really good defense. Just saying, that's what, that's what makes it tough. So let's move on to the next game. We'll go to Boise State, BYU. Oh, boy. This game surprised the heck out of me. Here's why. We knew BYU was not going to have the starting quarterback, Zach Wilson. He's been out. Jaron Hall likely out with a concussion versus South Florida, who they, they lost South Florida. Miles not scoring any points in fourth quarter. So it's like, all right, Boise's got this probably. They're, cause they're also starting their backup, Chase Court, who we saw him play against Hawaii, did perfectly fine. And I think we'd all assume Hawaii's probably better than BYU. Still might be the case. BYU ends up going with third-string quarterback, Baylor Romney. Yeah, walk-on freshman quarterback. And this game, like, all right, Boise's got this. Not a big deal. End up losing 28-25, which is, ooh, not good. Not even that close either. With Boise scoring 15 in the fourth quarter. So here's the thing in the game. Like, one reason I thought this game, not even close, going to be over easy peasy. March down the field, zero issues, touchdown. 7 0. I'm like, oh, this is nothing, man. They go nine plays, four and a half minutes. However, <laughs> after that, BYU did the exact same thing. They got their true freshman quarterback, walk on, remind you, goes down, eats alive this BYU, excuse me, the Boise defense, passing, running. Moving the ball, going downfield, a nice first. Like it's the first drive ever. How good is this kid going to be? It's like maybe it's just moment or a general adrenaline or something. He's hyped to get in the game. Sixteen plays, seventy yards, touchdown. Okay, seven seven. Um, pick by Boise, which is not very good. It's a bad, bad, bad throw to Isaiah Kasfusi, who made an amazing catch to dive and catch it. They're lucky BYU missed a field goal, but after that, it was all all defense. Neither offense. Like this is an amazing stat. Combined by both teams. One, two, three, four, five, six straight possessions, three and out. I don't even think they had positive yards here. Overall, I'm going to count this real quick because I know it's awesome. Minus two, minus four, six yards at zero. Minus two, they were a combined seven yards of offense between two, three, four, six possessions. That was, I remember watching this game. I was like, not enough. Like, all right, I'm going to switch over to Utah State for a minute. I'm going to switch over to the Hawaii game. How, many, how can those type of drives end up in that result? These de- it's either great defense or bad offense, but I'm going to say it's a combo of both because Boise should have had playmakers to run the ball to do better than that. And BYU, based on that first drive, should have done better than that also. So it was a kind of a defensive slugfest. Boise gets the field goal at the end of the half to make it 10 – or first quarter, sorry, 10-7. to seven. Or no, that was – oh, geez, that was halftime? 10-7 at halftime. But here's where things get crazy. Watch this game. BYU goes down and scores three straight touchdowns. Like, where is this Boise defense that stopped in the first half? They had two trick plays. Boise missed a field goal. Interception led to a touchdown. Those two things right there, the big difference on 28-10, the game's basically over. No way they're coming back. But here's the thing. Like, 
Boise even said after the game, like some players, like we were disciplined. We weren't following throughout. It was cold. We were worried about being warm and not playing out there in the field. Like I mentioned, Utah State game, it's windy, snowy, rainy. It wasn't snowy in Provo, but it was windy and rainy. So they had two plays. Did the Fumbrewski on fourth and one with your true freshman <laughs> down the middle for a touchdown. It's like wide open. And then they pull a reverse flea flicker back to the quarterback, also the Matt Bushman for a touchdown. It's usually not the case. It's usually the other way around. Boise does this where they get the trick plays. They do the misdirection. They got beat by their own. I know it's, I hate it when people say, oh, Boise always does trick plays. They don't always do trick plays. There's no for that with Chris Peterson and the Fiesta Bowl back in Oklahoma and a few other. They do it throughout. They just do it a bit more than others, but not by much. And they don't do it all the time, not even lately as much as people want to say they do. But you pull the phone, Baruski on fourth and one. It's a risky play. But the end around, like, think of how long the play develops. It goes to the to the back, goes left up the field, goes to receiver, comes back to the center of the field, back to the quarterback, then throws it downfield. That's like just describing that takes almost five seconds or six seconds. Now imagine it taking place on that field where it's like a 10-second play and he gets a touchdown. Like, those two plays are arguably the differences matchup. Like, giving up those trick plays, like fourth and one, you don't stop them. And then they had a touchdown late where they basically put Austin's defenses and every defensive player in there for a Touchdown the run over the middle on a also a short drive that was off an interception, two plays, 41 yards. And oh, yeah, one of those plays was a uh, oh, no, sorry, that was a different touchdown. Sorry, I think it's something else. Um, but the, the sorry, the two trick plays are what did the minute I should say. I think I got them out of order. There was the I'm trying to think what it was. Um, regardless of what it was, there was the, the big plays. Yes, um, sorry, there's all those big plays. Sorry, I was thinking of two different things here. See, it's my guilt when I don't have somebody else here to say, hey. Get on track. Keep back. You know what you're talking about. It's not always the case. There's a lot of games here. I watched a bunch at once. I watched them this morning. But overall, like this game, like BYU is a bad team in this game. They were 2-4. and four. They were touchdown underdog, which kind of bit me this weekend with that. But they, like I said before, they were two lucky two plays away from being 0-6 heading into this game. Um, it's kind of a bit of a combination of guy gets the first start. It's a rival game because this is a rivalry. They're playing through like 20-35 or something. Um, bad weather, Boise not disciplined, Boise having their own backup quarterback because Chase Cord was not good in this game through bad passes. A couple more could have been picked as well. Um, and it also doesn't help when running back Robert Mahone goes down with injury as well. So to bring in like Austin Van Buren to play a couple times, excuse me, Andrew Van Buren, George Solani did fine, 97 yards, but like it has Shakir do a couple running plays. That does not buy the injuries caught up with BYU, or excuse me, Boise State as well. And the defense, they had a couple sacks, five TFLs, and BYU finally got their defense going too because we know the Boise offensive line hasn't been great. They got to court with the court with a pair of sacks. One was a corner blitz, and one was um, I think the linebacker got one in there. But like overall, this this doesn't take Boise out of any consideration for a near six at the moment. Um, I'm going to do an article lengthier one on it in a bit, probably early this week, probably not Sunday night, because I'm podcasting myself, helping out with other things on the site, right? Filling in for Matt in a couple pieces he normally does. But this game hurts because it dropped the Broncos from the rankings. Not all the way out, clearly. Let me pull up right here. I'm recording afternoon, so I'm both out. I believe, let me pull up here as I click and chat. They're sitting at 22 in the AP and 21 in the coaches poll. San Diego State, really quick, is two, three spots out of both polls. So they're I thought they might have been ranked this week. Utah State's also getting one vote in the uh, coaches' poll, so that's good for them. So I think Aztecs could be ranked next week because Boise isn't playing Aztecs and they don't play all year, so it's not like a 
attrition game where losers knocked out. So there's a chance they could be ranked at that point. So the way here's what it needs to work out for their favor. They first need to get um well Hank Hank Bachmeyer back there and figure out with uh, injuries and get everybody healthy to play. Because the schedule also let me do that really quick. Who they have coming up next or later down the down the pipeline? Not a conference game, so it doesn't impact that. But they got San Jose State next week or two weeks, which should be fine. The Wyoming game will be interesting just because their defense is so dang good. And if BYU's defense can slow down Boise State, imagine what Wyoming can do. So there's that issue to look at as well. Then they go to USU, and then I'll even say Colorado State could be maybe something interesting with the offense where it goes, but I don't trust their defense to stop them at all for that side. So there's really only two difficult games, and probably into more Utah State than Wyoming, just because Wyoming's offense isn't very good. But looking at like the rankings, how it works, if you're not familiar or if you just plain forgot, which is fine, to get to a group of five New Year's Six Bowl game, conference champion, number one, number two, highest rated team in the college football playoff poll, which doesn't come out until after Halloween. I believe the Tuesday after Halloween. So we're still, what, two and a half weeks away from that? A couple weeks away? Three weeks, I think, if my math is right. Yeah, three Tuesdays away. So here's how the, none of the AP and coaches will matter, but a lot goes by strength of schedule. They have SMU undefeated, who are now the front runner, ranked uh, 16, 17 in both bowls. Cincinnati with the one loss that was the blow to Ohio State. 18, 18 in both polls. And they have App State, which is undefeated. AP poll one spot ahead. Coaches poll one spot behind. Memphis lurking, who is uh, ranked in 25th in one poll and not ranked in the AP poll. So all boys seems to really do is just keep winning, and they'll get there possibly. Because part of it is the American is more top-heavy than Mountain West, and we know that for sure. We're not naive to that. Overall, it looks probably fairly comparable, but American is slightly better with quality overall, even with the Mountain West winning all those P5 games, I think nine we mentioned in non-conference play. So they have plenty of talent, but I think Americans still a touch better. So what you need to look out for, and I'm going to make this quick. I'm What I'm going to do in the post, I'm going to kind of rank the probability at the moment because like a one loss this team, two losses team down the road. What I'm going to say after, just off the cuff before doing too much research, SMU's in the mix, Cincinnati's in the mix, App State because they're undefeated is in the mix, Boise State is in the mix, Memphis is in the mix, and I'd still include San Diego State as well. Because we've seen a two-loss team has been in there. And me, I would probably put, if I'm ranking all the teams, I would probably, just because it adds one more team, maybe a two-loss Utah State, just because they still get to play Boise State. And a two-loss team has made it before. But that would also take a lot from the American and App State to lose, at least App State to lose one game. Because App State has to be perfect to be considered. If they get a loss, they're out completely. And so that's the reason I'd keep um, Utah State maybe in the mix, just because, again, two, they're 2-1 two league play. They have, they're 3-2 and two overall. They have they still get a, a boost in schedule. They get to play BYU, which we'll see. But Air Force is solid, like an FSP+. They go to Fresno, which they're basically the rest of the way, if you look at it, they're playing a bowl, going likely, bowl team in Air Force. More than likely a bowl team in BYU now that they beat Boise. Bowl team in Fresno, bowl team in Wyoming, bowl team in BSU. Bad team in New Mexico, so they have a their schedule. Strength of schedule is pretty good the rest of the way. They're playing. Some, they're not playing any bad teams. Like they're not playing CSU. They're not playing Stony Brook. They're playing some pretty good teams. And lost LSU. Whatever it happened, forty two six. I don't think Utah State's in the conversation at the moment, but I'd put them like last among the teams. But when you look at the American really quick of where uh, the teams are coming from and who could be who could be playing where, um, when you look at the standings. Really quick in the American. I'll get again. I'll get the schedule more likely, but Cincinnati is in the division by themselves. They have Temple, 
And so, but they're already undefeated in league play. So since he has a, is a front runner, as SMU, SMU still plays Tulane, who's undefeated in league play. You saw Memphis again. Houston looks a bit better. Like the West Division is what you want. Likelihood of being undefeated in American and winning out is much lower than Boise winning out or Utah State or San Diego State. So that's what you want to happen is like the the West Division beat each other up, and then have the West Division beat champ beat Cincinnati if they're there. Because that's kind of how, how it will play out. That's what I, or I mean, that's the best case scenario. Again, I'll go through schedules and all that. But what you want to look for is what SMU's doing, Tulane's doing, heck, maybe even Navy at five and one. Like all these one loss teams in the American, you have Memphis, Navy, Tulane, SMU, and Cincinnati. Those are all one loss teams that are in the mix. I guess I'm including the Utah State two loss team. I could include Temple as well. But they just lost to SMU pretty bad, so I'm not sure. We'll see. Maybe I'll put them both in there just to kind of evenly round it out. But what you want to cheer for is for if you're a Boise fan or an Aztec fan, is App State to lose once, which we'll see. However, I could argue that's like for a sure assurances to get in there. Pretty sure a one loss Boise, maybe one. I guess if San Diego State State's one loss and they play Boise in the title game and they're ranked Boise, that jump them ahead. So I'm pretty confident one lost Mountain West team would be ahead of even even ahead of an undefeated App State team. Fairly confident, 100 percent confident Boise State one loss. I'd say about 70 percent at San Diego State team. Pretty close. Um, anybody else? Probably not. But yeah, just root for all the American teams that have multiple losses. That's what it comes down to essentially. And I guess first and foremost, SMU to lose a game because we look at it really quick. Um, let me jump to Cincinnati really quick. They got ECU, bleh, UConn, bleh. USF, bleh. Here's where it comes down to Temple and Memphis last two games here. Those are two big games for Cincinnati. So Temple can can still win that division. Can still win that division and see what happens. And you never know what'll make up for that game. Alright, so let's get to and so we'll get into all this later next week and later in the week. So we'll figure it out who goes where. But let's get to our very last game here we're gonna talk about really quick. Hawaii and San Diego State. Or excuse me. Let me, let me check that out. I'm not I'm talking about Asics, which Hawaiian Air Force. All right, as we get to this last game, as I just mentioned, as I repeat myself probably 5 million times, Hawaii hosting Air Force. And, oh, man, 50, sorry for Hawaii fans, 56-26 the loss. Um, what makes this kind of injured, more interesting was that, um, not interesting, but just kind of a gut punch to the Warriors. Cole McDonald only, only had one pick. Pretty good for him, typically. He could throw a couple. 400-plus yards. However, and then combine that with Air Force losing Donald Hamilton injury. Backup Mike Schmidt Sr. as what, four complete pass attempts or something in a career? Rushing attempts, maybe? Came out, came out shooting fire. 147 yards in the air and five passes. You know, typical Air Force line. 5-6, of six, 147 TD. Had three more on the ground. 120 yards rushing himself. You had Tavion Jackson also... Or excuse me, Timothy Timothy Jackson, I apologize, 100 plus yards. Kata Remsburg, 91 yards. Like, they were running like crazy. And then they had a 75-yard pass to great Gerald Sanders. It's like, dude, get a defense, Warriors. That's the thing I've noticed throughout the while, which we kind of knew Hawaii's defense has been suspect. But this type this type of game here, they're down by 30 points. They're, they give up 28 in the first half, which was fine because it's only 28-20. So they're pretty close. When it's 28 to 20, okay, we got this. But then, you know, the fourth quarter eventually comes around and they give up another 21 points, including a the one interception that Cole McDonald had, a pick six. A fumble led to touchdown. So there are 14 points off turnovers, which maybe skewed the result because 
Get back to the 14 points. It's still 42-26. But Kauai fumbled the ball. They are punting the ball too many times. The Air Force had their patent, like, 14-play drive to start the second half. And this was a game where it was um, Air Force has got a small lead, 20-20. They get the ball back, which didn't help either. They, they get the touchdown to go up to 35-20. And then Hawaii kept it close, but the difference was the fumble. Because when it's 42-26, they're in that range. But the fumble and the lead touchdown, interception to touchdowns. And then it's uh, that's how the game turned out. Fifty-six twenty-six. That's what that's what the result was. This means Hawaii, peace out. West Division champ championship is no more because they're sitting at multiple losses back to back. Conference losses. Boise Air Force. Then you get to Mexico, which woohoo victory. Then it's interesting. Fresno comes to town. San Jose State comes to town. San Diego State comes to town. Go to UNLV for the Golden Pineapple Trophy. I think that's what it's called. They got Army on the schedule. But it's no different than what Hawaii does all the time. They can score points, which they sort of did in this game, but not enough. But then you have Air Force just kind of score at will. And big thing in this game is Hawaii's defense is really. Hawaii's defense couldn't stop Air Force. Air Force defense, two clutch turnovers for points late in the game, which is kind of a big difference. But you got a backup quarterback in Coleman, in the, with Schmidt, and Hawaii can't stop it. Also, a bad thing for Hawaii as a running game is pretty, 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 pretty bad. The rushing, the rushing offensive attack, it just can't get anything done because it's just, well, as I said, pretty, pretty, pretty bad. So it's not very good. So that's all I'm getting at here. So Hawaii, like, again, they're out of the West Division. Most, like, I won't say out because they have two losses. Like, if they win the rest of the way, that means they have wins over San Diego State and Fresno State, who both at the moment – don't have a league loss. I want to double check on that in the standings. But I won't say it's out, but the way they played, like they might be able to beat San Diego State with this offense combined with the bad defense because it's not like the Aztecs offense is amazing by any stretch. It's good enough. And maybe Juan Washington can, can get back. But yeah, everybody has one loss in league play for no in San Diego State. So technically, if Hawaii wins out, I shouldn't say they're out of the mix, but it seems unlikely that they'll get that. But then again, they host those two teams at home. And so I won't say they're out of it, but they lost home by Air to Air Force by 30 points. So is that home field advantage really there? Maybe not so much. As for Air Force, we're not sure how long Donald Hammond will be up. But then again, Mike Schmidt, maybe it's adrenaline. Maybe it's just a boost of this. Oh, I'm going to play well, similar to the Baylor-Romney situation in BYU versus Boise State. Maybe Schmidt will come out and be just as strong and move the offense even better than Donald Hammond. If that's the case, it's great for them. They do have Utah State next week at Colorado Springs, which is a big one. Army at home at UNM at CSU host Wyoming. So like I could see like outside of the USU game, they probably could win out. Like me tell me saying six, seven, eight, nine. Remember, folks, I called ten wins at the beginning of the year. However, I had them beat Navy, not losing. But like nine wins is not out of the question. Like Utah State will be very tough, and the bookend versus Wyoming, both at home, will be difficult. Like I don't see an issue with them being Army. New Mexico will be fine. CSU will be fine. So. The Mountain Division still, with their loss to Boise State, doesn't help. They're going to need assistance from, say, Utah State or Wyoming to be Boise to get into the title game, which I'm not sure if they really will. But they're a, a quality team here, Air Force is. And if they're back up, Mike Schmidt's good to go. They're good to go. That's all it took. It's, again, Hawaii, they, it's same old story every year. Defense needs to be better in a running game. Offensive passing is fine. Cole McDonald, 34-52. Boom, got it done. It's just they got dudes out there everywhere, like, 
Juju Ward did. Jo, who is it? Just who is this guy? Just as smart. Sorry, Jared Smart. Had another huge game, hundred plus yards, eleven receptions, no scores, but he still had a big game. Like Hawaii has the offense. Rolovich is getting close to what he wants. He'll still have McDonald for another year going forward. You just get to find some defenders in a running game, and this team can be really, really, really good. And so we'll see how that plays out down the road. But dang, good for Air Force, not good for Hawaii. But we're going to do a couple things on site we're doing now since we're past midseason. We're going to start doing – it's not just a boring standings post. Let's do air quotes here. It's going to kind of be like using FPI to like project how the standings could reflect and finish the year. We'll put the standings out there just so we get a good look at it because, again, right now, Utah State, Boise undefeated in league play. Air Force has one loss. So does Wyoming. So those four teams are all in the mix. Clearly, Boise and Utah State have the edge. But Utah State hasn't played any three of those teams quite yet, so there's that to consider as well on their end. And Air Force has already lost to Boise State in the West Division. Aztecs, Fresno, all have one loss, and Hawaii hasn't played either of them with two losses, can win through and go out. But we'll go through FPI, look at some schedule stuff. That's something else we'll have on the site going forward. It's kind of projecting the playoff, not playoff, but the uh, championship game or order of stand, standing finish, final. What's, what am I looking for here? Final order of finish? That's what I want, folks. But... As I'm going solo by myself, it takes a while. So I apologize if this was a little rambunctious or a little out of out of sorts at some times. But do what you do. Try to make sure you catch every game. Read up on everything. It's what we do here. Hope you enjoy all of our stuff. Check us out MWR.com, um, Facebook, Twitter, all that great stuff. Uh, what are we at? We're basically everywhere you get your podcast. And also, one thing, if you want to do it, you don't have to. Optional. We don't have any ads at the moment of the podcast because we don't. I'm not saying there won't be any in the future, but there might be me and Matt or whoever else reading a couple of things to Give our experience for certain items that come up that we they want to discuss about. We do have an option over at Anchor.fm. I think it's on the homepage. If you just search our um, Mount Swire on Anchor, if you want to give us a buck or two a month or something, if you want to, perfect. If not, we don't care. We'll still do it. We love doing the show more than getting a few bucks here and there every so often. But if you go check out there, I guess there, I guess there is a way to give us a few bucks, like say a recurring thing or not. But again, if you feel great, I want to do that. We'd love you. If you don't, we don't. We love you listening as well because it's not like we do this for for money or a ton of money. Even running the site, we do a couple of things here and there. I get a couple of bucks here and there for right on it, but right on it. But we have fun. If you like what we do and you really like that and you really feel generous, go for it. If not, we're fine. We love it. We love everybody who downloads, who listens, and everything, and retweets us and argues with us on Twitter and Facebook, whether you like us or not. We know there's people out there who just comment on us just because we don't care. We comment back like that fun on Twitter, so. That's been a little spill there, so if you want to do that, you can check out our, go to Anchor, and it's a listener support area if you want to do that. If not, cool. Me and Matt used to say, give us some taco or burrito money. Yeah, if we get that as well, perfect. But we'll still bring the show a couple times as we do per week. I am toying with very early stages, maybe doing what I did a couple years ago where it was like a short thing, maybe daily, like maybe a 10-minute thing. We'll see if I can get that into my commitment going forward, but that's something I've been toying with because there are some topics I want to talk more on, like... There's something we haven't discussed yet. The TV deal, there's some stuff going on with that. There's the pay-for-play thing, which would be a fun, quick conversation. Air Force wanting to leave, possibly, well, I'm going to rephrase that. Troy Calhoun hinting that maybe Air Force isn't best for the Mountain West. They should move on. Little things like that we may get into here and there just because it's always fun. But with that, I'll see you next time, folks.